You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Praise the Lord. Just imagine you could be on a beach with the water lapping up, with a Solero ice cream in your hand, and the sun beaming down, you are watching the sea ripple. No, you're not. You're in the house of God. <laughs> Perhaps that's still to come. This is Grace, or Gracie. She's my granddaughter, one of ten grandchildren. I don't look that old, do I? And uh, Grace is our fourth oldest uh, granddaughter, aren't you? And I asked her to read for me, and she's going to read this morning. She's, uh, she plays the guitar. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> she hasn't got a boyfriend yet, but <laughs> there's always hope. <laughs> right, Grace, away you go. This reading is from John chapter 9, verses 1 to 11. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples, asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spat on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbours and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. Thank you, Gracie. I always look forward to uh, the All Nations Night. Thanks, sorry. And uh, next Sunday night will be good to see all the different flavors in our church. I must confess, I do confess to uh, not knowing all your names. I do struggle because some of your names from those who come to us from other countries and fellowship here, it's great to have you. But you do have long names. (laughs) And I do struggle. And I thought a few, it was uh, probably about a year ago, and I don't think he's here this morning, but I uh, went up to a a fellow in church, and he was from another part of the world, and and, um, I I knew I should know his name. And it was going through my head, and and I just couldn't get there. So I said to him, you know, because I was expecting some spelling of this name, I just couldn't get my head around it. So I went up to him, I said, "Um, by the way, how do you spell your name? 
So he looked at me in total amazement. And I was expecting this would get me, you know, sorted out. If I can know his spelling, then I can pronounce it. He said, this is how I spell my name. S-A-M. <laughs> I just felt then, at that moment of time, that I just needed to go out of the church and just start all over again. But you have lovely names. And so one day in heaven, thank God your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus knows you by name. Isn't that wonderful? How he does it, I just don't know. But he knows us by name. Every hair on your head, well, some of us, are numbered. Isn't that grace? We have a wonderful God. What kind of week have you had? This last week, we've enjoyed the weather, as Jack has said, and you've probably looked back on the past week. Some of you have probably had a marvelous week. Everything has gone wonderful. The children have behaved. You've been able to pay all your bills, and everything's gone beautiful, and no problems whatsoever. And there's others of you who have had a tough week. And you're probably thinking here this morning, oh, how can I carry on? But you see, life is like that, isn't it? Sometimes we're up, sometimes we're not so up because of the life's pressures of what happens in everyday life. And it does happen. We can't get away from it. We, as we heard from Jamie, we don't live, we are not perfect. We cannot live in a, per we don't live in a perfect world. There's always something happening around us and it affects us individually. It affects us as a country. It affects us wherever we are. Life is like that. But you know, Jesus had his days. He had his days when he had a tough day. He had a day when he could go up into the mountain to pray and to seek God and just be alone with God his Father. There were days like that. And, but I want to just pinpoint this morning a a part of the New Testament that Jesus, I think, must have had a tough day. In John chapter 8 and John chapter 9 and John chapter 10 are three chapters that I think are linked together as one day. And sometimes when we read the Scriptures, it's, we don't say Monday, Tuesday, we say the first day of the week, or we might say, oh, that happened on the Sabbath, but we don't get a picture of which day of the week it was always. It's not like a Wednesday or a Thursday, like we have in our calendar now. We can refer to a certain day. But Jesus had a day that probably was as hard as they get. Because on this day, he had three threats, of being stoned to death. That's not good, is it? To be stood in front of people who you were trying to help, who you were trying to bring joy to, these were the same people that were ready to stone the Lord Jesus Christ to death. He had a day of having to confront an issue of a woman that, uh, um, that was part of John chapter 9. And as, Jess, as, as Gracie read, a situation that was happening of another man who had a tremendous need. And Jesus made four amazing statements about himself. He said, I am the light of the world. I am the door 
I am the good shepherd in John chapter 10. And it started off with him saying, I am. We serve the great I am. But it all started early in the morning. Whenever, sometimes when you read the scriptures, you know, Jesus, it always say it early in the morning. Early in the morning. And Jesus on this particular day, the Sabbath day, early in the morning, Jesus was there in the temple teaching those that were there. He was teaching people all the things they needed to hear. And suddenly, while he was teaching them, he was confronted by something that probably he knew about, but the crowd didn't. The Pharisees and the so-called religious people came through the crowd of people that Jesus was talking to. And as they came through the crowd, they thrust a woman in front of Jesus standing there. And the crowd were taken back by it when they saw this woman. And one of the spokesmen said, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Moses says, that she should be stoned to death. What are you going to do about it? And Jesus, the incredible Jesus, stood there in front of a woman in her shame, in her despair, standing in front of all her accusers. Jesus looked at this woman, and as he looked at this woman and he looked at those who were pointing the finger, Jesus stooped down into the ground. And as he stooped to the ground, he began to write in the dust of the sand. I wonder what that was he wrote. The Bible doesn't tell us. Commentators have tried to address it. But one day we'll find out what he wrote. He wrote in the sand. And as he wrote, the people were focusing their attention upon the things he was writing. And the woman still stood there in front of the Lord Jesus Christ. He'd finished writing and he stood up. And the woman, and they were expecting an answer from Jesus. And Jesus looked at the men and people standing around and he said, um, Let who, one of you who has committed sin, cast the first stone at this woman. Wow. And they all stood there without a word. If you have cast a stone, if you have committed no sin, you can throw the first stone at this woman. And as they stood there, nobody moved. The woman stood there, and Jesus went down into the ground again, and on that sandy road, he wrote again something. And nobody moved. And as he wrote again, this time the people started to move back and try to hide themselves in the crowd that was there. And that all that was left was Jesus and this woman. Amazing. I'm glad that Jesus deals with us as individuals, aren't you? We talk about crowds. Yes, Jesus dealt with the crowd. He fed 5,000. He's he dealt with the bigger scene, but God comes to us through his son and he, he knows us by name. 
The woman's name is not given here, but he knew her. He knew all about her. And as she stood there in front of the Son of God, he looked her with all the loving eyes that he'd got, not out of condemnation. All those that were pointing the finger at her, they stood back and they almost vanished out of sight. But Jesus stood there in front of this woman and he said, where are your accusers now? And she looked with her head probably still in down, feeling ashamed of what she'd done. And Jesus said, there are no accusers here. Go and sin no more, neither do I accuse you. I'm glad we serve a God who knows where we're at. No matter what your need is this morning, God knows. And you might feel as dirty, you might feel as unclean as it's possible to be, but God loves you. And he died, Jesus died upon the cross to save you from everything that can keep you away from him. What a loving God. He said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but I came into the world to save it. And there was this woman standing in the front of Jesus and begin perhaps a smile began to show on her face as she walked away from the lovely son of God and she walked away knowing that she was clean. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it lovely to be clean? Isn't it lovely to know that our sins are forgiven? Isn't it marvelous to know that we have peace with God, to know that the grace of God, to know the forgiveness of God, to know all that God does in our life? Isn't that an incredible thing? And there are people today filled with hurt, filled with unforgiveness, filled with things that have happened in their lives, just like this woman. But we have a Savior who can cleanse us and set us on our way rejoicing in him because he's a God that forgives and saves and writes our names in the Lamb's book of life. No wonder Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. In a typical day of Jesus, he'd met this woman at the point of need. He'd helped her. She went away rejoicing and the crowd was still on his back. They were asking all kinds of questions about how can he be the Messiah? How can he be this and how can he be that? And the whole of chapter 8 of John goes through all the, the dialogue that Jesus had with all the people. They were throwing questions, trying to trap him, trying to pull him down. And at the end of chapter 8, it's Jesus made a declaration about himself. He mentioned Abraham, but he said, I am, I am. Before Abraham, I was, and I am here today. They couldn't grasp it. They couldn't grasp the high idea that this man standing in front of them was, was there, in, in, in play, greater than Abraham. But he stood there, and they were just about to stone him. They were about to pick up another lot of stones because they were so angry. Yes, they saw this woman delivered, they saw all that God, but you know, human nature is so fickle. And that lady went away totally delivered, and Jesus stood there in front of his accusers, and they were ready to stone him to death. And somehow, at the end of John chapter 8, it says that Jesus hid himself in the temple and made some form of escape from their clutches, from their stoning. How he did that? And it said he walked through the crowd. 
I don't know how he did that, but he did. And he came out of the temple and he walked along the road and those who were about to throw stones and to accuse him, they were left behind. And Jesus walked down that sandy, dusty road and there again he was ready to take on another person's need. He looked and he saw a man sitting on the side of the road with a begging bowl ready to seize some money. And Jesus saw this man in his need. The disciples didn't see him. Jesus did. And I'm glad this afternoon that Jesus sees you. You might have been bypassed this morning. Perhaps you didn't get a handshake. I hope you, hope you did. But you know, sometimes we come and we think nobody takes notice. But I want to tell you we have a God who notes everything about us. It doesn't, you, you, can't, you can't bypass God. He sees you in your need. Isn't that wonderful? And this man was sitting there and he sat there day after day begging for some money that he might be able to live and survive. And Jesus came to him who this man had never met before. He'd never seen the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He'd never heard him. And this was a total strange voice or strange person standing in front of him. And the disciples said, who has sinned? This, who, what's happened here? Was it his parents or that he's blind or is sick? And, and, and Jesus looked at his disciples and said, come on, you're getting it all wrong. I am the light of the world, Jesus said. He came to see that man in his need. And there again, he went down onto the side of the road, onto that sandy road, and he picked up some sand, and he cupped it into his hands. And as he cupped it into his hands, he spat into these hands to make some clay. And the clay was rubbed into the hands of Jesus. And the people, his disciples, were standing around him, thinking, what's he going to do? This is crazy. And he rubbed his hands and the clay got, the sun became more softer and clayer. It became very much a clay that you could mold. You know, I thought about the clay. The Bible says, he is the potter and we are the clay. Isn't that wonderful how Jesus molds us and makes us more like him? There's this lovely song that we don't sing so much now, but the song goes like, to be like Jesus, all I ask to be like him. All through life's journey, from earth to glory, all I ask to be like him. And here was Jesus rubbing his hands with this uh, sand and making it into mud, making it into clay. And lo and behold, while this man who was blind sitting there on the side of the road, Jesus asked him to stand. And as he stood, he took the clay and rubbed it into the eyes of this blind man. You know, friends, God's ways are not our ways. Don't try and work it all out. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean to your own understanding. If this man who was blind, receiving this clay upon his eyes, suddenly thought, Ah, oh, I'm not staying around here. I'm not letting somebody do that. Somebody I don't know. Somebody I've never heard of. And suddenly he's putting clay on my eyes. But he stood there. And Jesus looked at this man. 
And he said, I am the light of the world. And this man said, I haven't got light. I can't see light. I'm in total darkness. But he walked away from Jesus as Jesus said, now go and wash in the pool Siloam. Now the scripture is a bit vague. Well, not vague, but it's, it doesn't say that anybody went with him. Jesus didn't. The disciples didn't. And this man, he didn't have a guide dog. He didn't have anyone to help him. But somehow he made his way through those streets to the Paul Siloam. And when he got there, he thought, what am I going to do now if this doesn't... What's going to happen? And they thought the disciples were watching from afar off. Jesus was no longer there on the scene. But he said, I better do what Jesus told me. And he went down into the pool again and he, he rubbed his eyes with the water that was in that pool. And as he rubbed his eyes, the mud and the clay came away from his eyes and ran down his face. And suddenly he began to see the light. He began to see the light. He began to see the trees. He began to see the sea. He began to see everything that was around him. What an amazing thing. The gospel is powerful. And when Jesus touches us, something wonderful happens. The Bible says in Corinthians, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And when we have the touch of God upon our lives, that is amazing. That is incredible. It's not religion. It's not knowing every part of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. But when we experience the very touch of God on our lives, it brings transformation. You're never the same again. I thank God in 1952, not in this building, but in the car park next door where our old building stood, the preacher said, is there anyone here who wants to give their lives to Jesus? And at the age of six, I raised my hand. I didn't think he'd seen it. It didn't matter, because God did. And as I raised my hand that day, I'll never forget it, the 30th of October, 1952, I asked Jesus to come into my life. Now, at six, you can't be that bad, can you? But I needed Jesus. And I, I wasn't, you know, I hadn't been in prison. I, I was a pretty good lad at home, and, you know, I ate all my Weetabix and all the usual things. But you see, Jesus loved me. And died for me on the cross. Then I had to prove God. And all through my teenage years, whenever they had an appeal, I would stand up. Because I needed the forgiveness of God. I needed Jesus to become stronger and stronger in my life. And here I am at nearly 71. God has never failed. Right. Hallelujah. Yeah. He's a wonderful saviour. And Jesus didn't just patch this man up, not just one eye, he gave him total sight. He could see everything as God had planned him to see. And I'm sure he jumped for joy. If you'd been blind for all that many years, do you think you would? Wow. He must have jumped for joy. He must have gone around. I think, I can see, I can see this is wonderful. What a testimony of God's healing power. I can see, I can see, I can see everything. I can see my hands. And he, he was so thrilled with what 
Jesus had done for him. But you know, just like always, the crowds were around him, the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, the neighbors, they were all there. And they looked at this man and they thought, well, is this the same fella? He, he wasn't really blind. He, it wasn't really him. He was a bit of a, you know. And they were all going on like that. What a crazy situation. They were sort of working it all out and, you know, trying to disregard to what Jesus had done in this man's life. They said, well, we, the only way we're going to find out, we're going to talk to his mom and dad. So they went to see his mom and dad, and they said, well, what's happened to your son? Was, was he born blind? Did he, did he have some eye infection? Or what, what, What's wrong? Is, is this him? Are, are you sure he was blind? Are you sure that he couldn't see when he was born? And now he's saying that he's received his sight, and the parents probably not quite happy about the whole situation because they were thrilled to see their son delivered. They said, go, go and ask him. Go and ask him. And they went to this man again and they said, look, what's happened to you? And I think this young man, full of the joy of being healed, thinking of all that God and all that this man, Jesus, who he'd never met before, suddenly he rose up. He said, look here. He said, one thing I know, just one thing, I was blind, but now I can see. That's it. Isn't that it? Once I was blind, but now I can see. Did it end there? Of course not. Eventually they threw him out of the temple. They couldn't get their head around all that was going on. And Jesus had to come back to his defense. And Jesus says, do you believe in me? And this man said, I do. I want to follow you. Sometimes we look around us and we can put all the questions that we can think of. But Jesus still saves today. He's still the wonderful saviour today, as he's always been. And when he takes hold of your life, it's not just a patch-up job. He, tr he transforms it. It makes you into a new person, with a new outlook, with new ambitions. You are clean because Jesus died on the cross to save you from every sin. Isn't that marvellous? This blind beggar received his sight. He was now totally healed. It never finished there. And right, right through John chapter 10, we read that Jesus was again questioned. And Jesus had to tell the people there, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I am the door. No man comes through the door but through me. And everything that Jesus said, it was making the people even more and more angry on this day. And they were, again, they threatened to stone him. But when Jesus does something in your life, no man can take that away from you. If you are a Christian here today, thank God for that. You are a living testimony of the power of God in your life. Never let go of that. You might not be able to explain everything in here, but you know one thing, God loves you and he died to save you. Isn't that great? We have a wonderful saviour. He is our saviour. 
You know, the message that we preach, it doesn't change. Every message that we bring from the pulpit here, Pastor Martin and Esther and all those that preach with them, bring the same gospel. Because the gospel that Jesus preached, the gospel that Paul preached, is the gospel that we preach. It's the only gospel. It's the only name. There is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. There is only one name. There was no angel. There was no prophet. There was no one else that could come and pay the price for our sin. Only Jesus could unlock the gates of hell, of heaven, to let us in. What a wonderful Savior. You know, we live in a changing scene. The world is changing so fast. You can't get your head around some of it, can you? The technology that we have and all those things going on around us in our lives, it's incredible. But Jesus never changed. He's the same yesterday and today and forevermore. He won't have to move the goalposts. He won't have to move things around just to suit this generation that we live in because Jesus is the same. His name is the same. His power is the same. His word is the same. And the word of God says, if anyone adds to this book, woe betide them. There's no other gospel. There is no other name. God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And this is the Savior that we trust. So when you go into your workplace this week, when you go tomorrow to your school or college, or when you go into your place of work, know that this, you've got a testimony of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand in that truth. Stand in it. No man can take that away from you. You are God's. You can say, our Father who art in heaven, he's your heavenly Father that loves you and cares for you. What a wonderful thing that is. Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. And no matter what comes at your door tomorrow, do you know what Jesus said? I will be with you. I will be with you. doesn't matter what comes your way, whether it's some financial difficulty, whether it's a, a family difficulty, whether whatever it is. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. And whatever happens tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday, know this, that God is with you. His gospel is never changed. His name is not altered. He has not changed his mind about you. He's still the God who loves you and cares for you. And you can go out into this week confident of this thing. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Haven't we got a wonderful Savior? Let's stand, shall we, as we bring ourselves before him. And let's just stand and just realize just how great God is. How great God is. Think of that day when you got saved. Think of that day when you said, Lord, I come to you. Accept me as your child. Forgive me of my sin. Think of that day. What a day that was. What a testimony you have of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ.